0: Hello and welcome to the Verblio Show. This is the podcast for digital agencies and digital marketers, brought to you by Verblio, the friendliest content creation platform in the business. I'm your host Steve Pakras, and I'm Verblio's CEO. In today's episode, I'm talking with Allison Lowry, the Chief Marketing Officer of Home Advisor Angie's List. I was excited to learn from Allison how a major brand is navigating the turbulent waters of 2020. In addition to our approach to other huge marketing challenges like merging two large and well known brands, we talked on June 10th, 2020. Enjoy the conversation. I'm very excited today to be talking to Allison Lowry on The Verb Leo Show. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Pleasure.
0: Allison is the CMO of Angie's Home Services. You might know them much more by their consumer brands, Home Advisor and Angie's List. Uh, and I thought I would jump in and say that uh, I'm a I'm particularly excited to you today. We haven't talked to too many large brands uh, about the experiences that you're going to. You are in a particularly interesting sector of home services. So I want to touch on that, but I thought I would start is as a CMO of a company that acquired two large brands. That is an incredible challenge that you were given. And I'd love to hear the challenge you were given and how you're addressing it.
1: Sure. Yeah. So, so as you mentioned, Angie home services is the parent company of, Home Advisor and Angie's List, um, and the origin of the company is very interesting. We started off as a business called Service Magic, which was largely a lead gen company for home services businesses. Um, that that brand rebranded to Home Advisor uh, about eight years ago. And then about three years ago, we acquired Angie's List. What's interesting about it is that Home Advisor and Angie's List for a very long period of time were fiercely competitive. We had a battleground in paid search. We were, um, you know, constantly sparring with one another in our television creative and ads. And lo and behold, uh, we merged and became one. It's a big challenge, sort of mentally making that shift. But, you know, I would say once we got past that, you know, the bigger challenges became that we were two, we're two businesses with similar serving, services and similar audiences. And so what we needed to do was to carve out unique positions for each of those brands. Home Advisor being specifically about ease and efficiency and, you know, just get this thing done for me. I don't, I don't need to, you know, be messing around with cleaning my own gutters and climbing up on a ladder. So just find me the best company that can do it. Whereas Angie's List um, is a brand more embedded in the notion of control and choice and being given the ability to do deep research on finding service professionals uh, and making that choice myself. Um, so you know, beyond the positioning, we also need to determine unique media strategies for each brand. Uh, we had really similar media footprints uh, just prior to the merger, and now we've started to differentiate them. Um, you know, to eliminate overlap where we may be competing with one another. And, you know, meanwhile, ensuring that we're still feeding our service provider networks with high quality homeowners who are ready to do projects.
0: Were there any quality rivalry stories? If you guys met each other face to face for the first time? There's a big showdown.
1: It was never as dramatic as I had imagined it. I probably had lots of dreams about, you know, what I would do the first time I met anyone from Angie's list. But, um, you know, it's, we work pretty harmoniously together now and and have great relationships and we've integrated the companies in a way where we're all playing for the same team.
0: That's very nice ending. Uh, Yeah. I always imagine it's kind of like driving, you know, you can be a lot meaner to people when you're driving by them than when you're face to face with them.
1: (laughs) Right. The anonymity uh, makes us all a little bit bolder.
0: How have you approached the concept of having two big brand names and whether you should join them and merge or sticking with uh, sticking with both of them?
1: Uh, well, that's been a very top of mind question for the past three years, um, and we're still we're still evolving our strategy there. Um, but you know, right now we have um, kind of a primary and flanker brand strategy. Home Advisor being the primary brand, where we lean in to a lot of marketing spend that's primarily tied to the model where we can monetize the Home Advisor model um, uniquely and differently than we can Angie's List. Uh, we're still spending on Angie's List. It's an extremely viable brand with a really unique consumer value proposition and a very large embedded base of service provider customers. So right now, supporting both of those brands, whether that's the case in five years, you know, I'm not sure.
0: As our audience is doing more and more home improvement projects like everyone, and I'll ask you about consumer trends, which one of your two brands would you steer them towards?
1: Oh gosh, it really depends on what their mindset is and what their need state is at the moment. You know if you're somebody who for example has water leaking out of the basement and your basement's flooding, like you need someone there fast, go to Home Advisor, we'll connect you and instantly you'll get a phone call within 30 seconds from a plumber and they'll be at your house same day. Um, if you are considering a major kitchen remodel and want to interview multiple pros, you want to do a ton of research on ratings and reviews, um, go to Angie's list. You know it's not to say that it's not to say that Angie's list can't help you with that immediate plumbing problem, it's not to say that Home Advisor can't help you get multiple quotes um, from service pros, but you know, I think that, that the example I gave you speaks to the, the mindset and need state of the consumer and, and how it aligns with the models of each of our brands.
0: Every big merger and every big acquisition always starts with the concept of economies of scale. And I'm wondering if because you had a lot of overlap in your marketing footprint, Did you achieve economies of scale as far as driving down some of your pricing for for all of your different channels?
1: Um, You know, it's an interesting question, and I would answer it in a couple of different ways. Certainly, there are economies of scale as we think about the resource that is needed to drive marketing strategy and execution, whether it be employees or agencies or technology and tools that we're using. So absolutely, we can, um, you know, create efficiencies there. Both brands are, are heavy television spenders or have been at various times. And we increase our negotiating power by being able to go to market and say, we will buy, you know, this many millions of dollars of media as opposed to two brands going in independently and negotiating on their own. But then there are certain marketplaces like paid search, for example, where the presence of both brands may be increasing competition and actually driving costs up. So it's it's a mixed bag in that sense, but we're very attuned to where we think we can have leverage from you know, a dual brand strategy and being able to negotiate uh, versus where we need to be really cognizant of, of driving costs up.
0: Very interesting. I, yeah, I think. All of us wanna know if some of those talking points are actually true and how they play out. At Angie Home Services, you have a unique perspective into how thousands of home services contractors are responding to the COVID crisis. Uh, what are you seeing as the major trends so far?
1: Yeah, so so we're a two-sided marketplace that connects homeowners with, with service businesses. And by service businesses, I mean everything from architects and designers to plumbers, electricians, handymen and cleaners. Um, and I would say that both sides of our marketplace are experiencing this crisis in really different ways. Uh, starting with homeowners, you know, homeowners initially when this, you know, we like to refer to kind of the, the day as, you know, the, that simultaneously Tom Hanks came out and said he had COVID and the NBA season was canceled. That was like a, it was a real day in the moments of a, of a lot of Americans. And in particular with what we saw with homeowners where, you know, they immediately, ceased spending on home service projects. And we saw uh, consumer demand for our categories go down, you know, somewhere to the tune of 30 to 50%, um, depending on the category. Um, You know, obviously there were a lot of concerns about health and financial risk and and more acutely, just the uncertainty of what was going to happen and how this would all unfold. Um, So, you know, obviously initially that demand dropped precipitously. We're starting to see it come back. We think that that's a function of a few things. Number one, that consumers are spending a lot more time in their homes. But beyond that, we're also finding that consumers are starting to shift their spending. They're realizing that you know that summer vacation they may have planned is not gonna happen. You know They're not spending on dining out and entertainment, and so they're putting those dollars back into their homes. To upgrade them, service pros are experiencing something something sort of different. Which is, you know, we we have over two hundred and fifty thousand home service pros in our network between the two brands. Um, Seventy-five percent of them are small local businesses with under five employees, and so, you know, that initial drop in consumer demand hit them really hard, and. You know, consequently, we found that two-thirds of them were making staffing changes, whether it be furloughs or layoffs or reduced work hours, um, just to be able to stay in business. Uh, The positive is that home service businesses were deemed essential so that they can continue to run and operate and continue going to work. Um, You know, despite that, they have to go to work in a different way than they have historically, and so, some of the changes that we're seeing with service providers are that they're changing the interactions with their homeowner customers, um, primarily for the purpose of keeping everyone safe, meaning their own employees and the homeowners. And that might include things like, um, you know, wearing PPE, um, identifying opportunities to communicate in ways where there's reduced contact. Um, we at Home Advisor and Angie's List recently introduced um, online payment, so contact-free payment. Um, and video chat, which in many cases is replacing the need for a service technician to have to go into the home to provide an estimate. Um, And and across the board, you know, 90% of service professionals are adopting totally new um, cleaning protocols with enhanced sanitation and we're really proud of of the way that this category has responded um, to the crisis.
0: That is uh, that's super impressive, especially going across, how many service pros did you say?
1: 250,000.
0: Wow, and all of them are going through all of us at the same time, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you said at the beginning there was a, you know, a huge impact to home services and now you're, when did the, about when did the rebound start and is the rebound looking as like you're back to normal or might even be a growth area?
1: Well, so we don't know if this is a home services boom or a home services bubble. Uh, We started to observe a rebound in about mid-April. Now, mid-April is also a time of year where, you know, it's home services season. It's home improvement season. People start taking on those projects both in the interior and exterior of their homes. So some of that is expected under normal situations, but we're seeing things bounce back um, well beyond where we expected to be and so you know it's only been about a month or a month and a half of this so we're, we're cautiously optimistic that this is a trend that will endure um particularly as homeowners are spending way more time in their homes um and have fundamental needs for home services but it's really too early to call it good
0: well i wish i wish luck your way for this <laughs> yeah a trend versus a bubble um yeah. interesting on, on the verblio side we Home services was our hardest hit category for the month and a half after a crisis. We we saw a 30% drop in that category, which was way beyond any other category. But we saw a huge rebound starting in kind of May 1st and maybe I hadn't even associated it with the, the springtime conditions. Have you adapted your marketing strategies post COVID and how so?
1: Yes, we have. One thing that has become very clear through this crisis is that our mission as a company has never been more important. We're here to help solve problems in the home and realize opportunities. And we're also here to support the small businesses that make those things happen. Um, So, as soon as we saw the gravity of what was happening with the crisis, we started executing on our four main priorities as a business uh, taking care of our employees, taking care of our customers, uh, stabilizing the business financially, and one that I think is extraordinarily important is continuing to innovate our way through this so that we come out of this crisis in a much stronger position than we entered it. Um, so, things that we did right away uh, as a business, you know, it, it was hard because in the first several weeks we were getting new information daily, if not hourly. And so we found ourselves reacting in real time to assess the situation. Um, First and foremost, we communicated with our customers on how to stay safe. We are inherently a business that is defined by having someone come into your home to provide service. And obviously that's a sensitive um, topic. Um, Secondly, we started innovating to roll out very quickly some solutions that minimize contact between home service pros and homeowners, namely an online payment. Platform where you can pay your service professional through Home Advisor's app. And we also introduced video, video chat, which enables homeowners and pros to have those initial conversations and consults over video directly through our app, as opposed to having to meet in person. Um, and you know, we felt that those were critically important to roll out immediately because they've solved some very real problems that exist in our category today that are exacerbated by COVID. Um, we also can, went to work,
0: but can I ask you just really quickly and I, am sorry to interrupt, but I, I'm kind of interested because the first question that you answered about your, how did you change your marketing was focusing on the product. Was product marketing a conscious focus of where you pointed your team?
1: We knew that we needed to do some things to react to the situation because our existing product had some challenges because it required a lot of person-to-person contact in order to deliver the experience and so we knew that we needed to find alternatives to that and and frankly i think that those are trends that will endure i mean providing a more frictionless easy to use service and experience is not something that is unique to covid it just happened to be uh, prompted by the timing of it was prompted by covid um, now there There were some other things that that we did that were, that are not considered true, like traditional marketing, but as a business, you know, we we lobbied Congress to ensure that home services businesses are deemed essential so that they could continue to go to work. Um, And we also worked with our governments to ensure that funding, um, you know, that that home service businesses were top of mind during the um, allocation of funding decisions. so, so those I would say are kind of more structural business decisions and actions that we took. Um, when it comes time to like more traditional marketing behaviors, uh, you know, what we did right away is we actually went dark on TV. We're pretty heavy television advertisers across both our brands. Uh, and, and we cut back some marketing spend temporarily uh, because, you know, with a massive drop in consumer demand, we knew that it would be a waste of money. But more importantly, you know, like, it just felt really off tone, watching the news and, you know, having, watching all these messages of catastrophe and, and death and destruction and bad news, and we don't really want our brand associated with that. Um, so we, we quickly went to work changing our message to focus on empathy and trust and having a social conscience in these times.
0: Can you describe what one of those ads looks like now? That's such a hard tone to capture and I can't even imagine the amount of thought that went into it.
1: Yeah, so it, what's interesting is that our, our advertising historically has been very um, like functional, transactional, drive the consumer to go to the website or the app. And we actually pivoted. And we developed a commercial that's all about elevating our service professionals. It's um it's still photography because we didn't have the ability to go out and shoot new television spots. So we we utilized still photography um, in you know, this really unique black and white, sort of highly saturated visual look and feel. And the ads talk about how you know some small businesses. You can't find them on Main Street, but they are incredibly experienced and talented and essential in our lives. And you can find them on Home Advisor. And you've been able to find them on Home Advisor for more than twenty years. You know, it's interesting. I mean, we've now seen things turn a corner in our particular category. I don't know that things have turned a corner in You know, the restaurant industry or the travel industry, but unique to us, as the world has started to adapt to this new normal, we actually saw an opportunity to lean back into marketing. Consumers need us more than ever, and service providers need us more than ever. And so we take that seriously and know that, like, we need to continue to provide a really uh, powerful service to both parties. Um, There's also this other factor, which is that ad rates across, like, nearly every platform, everything from TV to display to app to social are extremely favorable in the moment, and so, you know, that enabled us to go and, you know, spend back in the channels where we had historically spent, um, invested a lot, but it's also allowing us to be uh, experimental in some new channels, which is, which is uh, kind of fun for us to be thinking about right now, and hopefully paves the way for, you know, future marketing opportunities
0: well any discussion about growth is fun right now and it's uh quite a
1: relief
0: uh are those channels and new trends that you're particularly excited about
1: yeah so i'm excited you know one thing that we we've always been very present in social media both on the paid and organic side but um what this offered us an opportunity to do is engage with our uh social followers in a new and interesting way. So we have a social activation um, that'll launch in about a week. It's called Build My Background where, you know, we're saying, hey, look, you know, we're all kind of working from home and we're, our, our homes are multitasking in many ways. You know, what is, also, what is my bedroom is also now my husband's office. And so the use of virtual backgrounds has become quite prevalent um, to cover up some of this multitasking in our homes. Um, uh, Home Advisor wants to actually build you a real background. You know, we'll come in and do a remodel of your home. So, for a handful of lucky uh, consumers, we'll we'll come in and do that. We haven't quite launched it yet, but we're excited to launch on TikTok. I think that's you know been something we have not invested in historically, but rates are good and we're in a position to do so.
0: We both operate dual-sided marketplaces. Um, and I really appreciate the amount of mission-driven spirit that you have with, uh, with working with your service pros as well. We feel the same way about our writers. I'm interested in your, uh, how your marketing challenges have changed with your service providers as
1: well. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's an interesting question. Our consumer marketing and service provider marketing are really different for us. Like there's no one single playbook that covers both of them just due to the uniqueness and complexity of both both sides. Um, Consumer marketing, you know, there's almost unlimited consumer demand. Just to put that into perspective, there are something like 75 million homeowner households in the U.S., all of which do six to eight home projects a year, and so it's easy to find consumers in need of help. Generally speaking, everybody's got some kind of home project need at any point in time and so if we can remind them of that and provide them a solution then we're, you know, we can be present in a multitude of different marketing channels um, and find that, you know, acquisition is is profitable that way. Service provider marketing is a little bit different. Um, It's a much smaller audience in total. It's pretty niche and also highly fragmented, meaning like I say we have 250,000 home service pros in our network, but that doesn't mean they're all the same. Compare and contrast the needs of an architect versus the needs of a handyman. They're just inherently really different types of businesses that offer different types of services and they don't all consume media in the same ways that homeowners do. Meaning, you know, a lot of homeowners you can find sitting on a couch watching TV with a phone in their hand, which enables them to take action right away, versus service providers maybe on a job site with tools in their hands, you know, not ready to take action right away. Beyond that, we also have a much longer and high-touch sales cycle for service providers. So, you know, the implication is that we have to be very, very targeted with our marketing. We have to develop and nurture campaigns. We need to identify the right types of offers and promotions that motivate action. And so it's just a totally different philosophy and ideology as we think about marketing to homeowners versus marketing to service providers.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Uh, We find it extremely different too. We actually don't spend very much, because there's so much demand to find opportunities for freelance writing in the world, we spend very little of our focus marketing more on curating, I'm wondering, given how large your service provider pool is, is this still a big focus for you um, as far as bringing in new providers?
1: It's a huge focus for us. Um, our service provider network is what drives a great consumer experience with our brands. And so you know while we have a very high count in total of service professionals, the way to think about it is that we need to have the right type of service professional in exactly the right geography at exactly the time that you, the homeowner, needs them. And so being able to match up this kind of fleeting consumer demand with um, a service provider base that's highly fragmented, profiled to do lots of different types of jobs, we're constantly in need of really great service providers. What we've observed over time is that our ability to drive consumer demand outpaces our ability to drive capacity Within our service provider network, and so it's, it will always be a focus.
0: Such oh, an amazing challenge. Adding the geographic local component to it is so much more intense. The uh, how many service providers are there? Two hundred fifty thousand sounds like a lot.
1: Yeah, and it's 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 hard to know um, because many of them are small, individually owned businesses, and there's like a high churn. Of those businesses, when we saw the downturn, the economic downturn in 2008, um, many of those service provider businesses went out of business for good. It's also an aging population, meaning um, you know the average age of a service provider, meaning a plumber or an electrician or a handyman, is is quite older than the the average workforce, and we're not seeing a replacement workforce come in. And so, one of our major initiatives is trying to bring attention to the uh, shortage of skilled labor in our country.
0: So at Verblio, of course, we focus very much so on content creation and SEO strategy. I'm wondering how that fits into uh, into your marketing focus at Angie Home Services.
1: Yeah, I think content marketing is sort of a loaded word. Maybe not loaded, but it's a, it's a big buzzword right now and everybody uses it to mean something different. So as I think about content and content marketing, um, you know, the way we've approached it here is that we have developed a blueprint to enable the decentralization of content creation within our, within our organization, meaning we have lots of individuals and agencies um, that, dra- that generate content for things like social media or SEO or digital marketing or television. Um, And they're happening in different places, but what we've done is we've attempted to create kind of an overarching blueprint that brings some cohesion to all of it. Um, We've also brought in-house talented writers and designers within the marketing organization to rapidly develop as much of our own content as we possibly can. It's still such a fairly new field within marketing, though it's not a new concept. Uh, but I think it's something that everybody can stand to get better at and put more formality around.
0: That's yeah, really insightful. The the concept of the, just the word content marketing needs a lot more segmentation now that we're at this phase of development. And it also, I mean, it's basically just the reinvention of brand marketing. This is just the modern form of it. Um, and is content somewhere that you're investing more of, uh, as well as you look at other, as your new strategies?
1: Absolutely. I mean, as you look at the media landscape fragmenting, you know, you need different content for all of those different consumer touch points. Again, whether it's social media, whether it's television creative, whether it's radio creative, whether it's SEO, um, you know, I'm going to need to create totally new content for TikTok than I've ever created anywhere else. You just can't repurpose it. And so... You know, it's really critical that we continue to invest in the different forms of content that fit the media landscape. Do you
0: have a TikTok person? Like, who's in charge of coming up with the TikTok ad?
1: We were just talking about this earlier today, and no, we don't. We're, <laughs> we're, we're trying to be scrappy about it, but we probably need a TikTok person. Probably a 13-year-old who you know knows exactly how to do it. Yeah, It's one of those things that, you know, right now for a lot of marketers, who are seasoned in other areas feels nascent but it's not going to stay that way for long and so i personally feel some urgency to get with the program and figure it out because you know the, early on i think tiktok was skewing much younger in terms of a demo and for brands like home advisor and angie's list it was less important because you couldn't find as many homeowners but interestingly enough i actually think covid has created a resurgence of interest in TikTok among every single age demo, um, making it more important for really established brands and new brands.
0: So you've been marketing this different versions of this concept as you've evolved and become, you know, from service magic all the way through three different brands and on the way up. Uh, I'm going to ask you kind of more of the mistake question. What are some of the, the, the mistakes you've made along the way, uh, and things that you can that our audience can learn from to avoid. Them.
1: One really important lesson I have learned is just not to underestimate expertise. And I mean that in, I mean that in a couple of different ways. Number one, we can't all be experts in every aspect of marketing from a functional standpoint. Part of not underestimating expertise is making sure that you hire really really well or utilize Agencies who have really strong proficiencies in certain areas. But beyond that, I've had the fortune of working for Home Advisor and Angie's List for the past 10 years in a category where I'm very passionate. I, too, am a homeowner and I try to fix things on my own. But I cannot pretend to know the first thing about what it might be like to be a plumber or an electrician uh, running my own small business. And so, you know, we're constantly Um, needing to work with our service professionals to give us guidance and advice on how to do better marketing, both to homeowners and service providers. It's an area where you just simply cannot put yourself in their shoes easily unless you've done the job. One particularly humbling example of a mistake was in that TV commercial that I mentioned. We just got out the door. We had a, a still image of a service provider, an actual service provider, one who's in our network, and it happened to be that the ladder was upside down in the image. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of reasons for that. Perhaps it was, he was just caught in the middle of transporting it somewhere, but we got a lot of feedback from service pros that said, hey, um, you're not doing yourself any favors by showing an upside down ladder. And of course, we're getting that fixed in the commercial, thankful for um swift editing processes uh but it just was another uh example of it's impossible to know everything and so it's really important to lean on those who truly are experts to ensure that you know this really well-intentioned message gets out there in a way that's positive and one that where we don't undermine our own credibility
0: that is great guidance and especially with so many more marketing areas that you need to be good at every single year there's only so many you can keep up with uh it's interesting, so most of our agency kind of guidance have, have talked to digital agencies about the focus of specialization right now, and here you are coming from the brand side, so you need the same thing from the agencies, I think is a good message for them to hear.
1: Yeah. You know, we don't have a one-size-fits-all thought process around agencies. We tend to, to try to build proficiency in-house, but there are circumstances where it's far more favorable to use an agency. Meaning, like if there's a really steep learning curve for a new platform or discipline, it goes back to the TikTok example, um, or for us over the past several years, you know, getting really good at Facebook and Instagram, we had to rely on outside um, agencies, um, or where we don't have a specific skill set, or where, frankly, like a machine could do it better than a human anyway. Um, so, so we have sort of this trading going back and forth on like. When is it the right time and circumstance to bring on an agency, and when is it um, when is it better to try to build out a capability in house? And there's constant tension between you know those two questions.
0: Of course. All right. So we've got messages for millennials: you should go into home services, and messages for agencies: you should go into TikTok. I think this is all. <laughs> uh, to to wrap up, I like to end on a, on a lighter note. What interesting things, let's go with surprising, have you found that you and your family have been doing to keep yourselves entertained in isolation?
1: Well, I'm still looking for a lot of ideas here because, you know, I wouldn't say that we're like, you know, thriving and every day is an exciting new day. I have this coffee mug that I use every morning that says, let the adventure begin. And I find it so ironic every day of quarantine that goes by. Um, So, my husband and I uh, have two children. We live in a 1930s home in East Denver. Um, And like many other people out there, uh, we're combating boredom and monotony with cooking and Netflix and going to the car wash. (laughs) Um, But I think the sort of unique thing that we've discovered is that um, we, meaning my husband and I, and our children, really thrive on challenge. And we used to find that through traveling a lot. Um, and I think the first the first 10 weeks of this calendar year, I was on the road for eight of them. And so to see my suitcase, like sitting in the corner of my closet is really sad. Um, and so we're having to find new ways to like keep ourselves challenged. Um, some silly things like we built our kids a Ninja Warrior course and we try to time them every week. and. <laughs> So they get faster on it. Um, we recently did like a family 10k around the park. We had to just make it up on our own. Personally, I'm gonna try to run a thousand miles this year. I mean, why not? It's one of the only things I can do. So,
0: I had a quality parenting and isolation moment last night where I was trying to tell my uh, my 12 year old. He was a uh, we were playing Settlers of Catan, which is way too confrontational for being trapped in a home. <laughs> and uh, he's a terrible winner. And so I said, you know. You really need to work to work on being a better winner in Katana. said, Dad, it doesn't matter. I don't have to. You have to play with me. I'm, <laughs> sure I'm stuck yes. in this place.
1: Yes, true words.
0: I've learned a lot from that. Uh, I am deeply, bizarrely jealous of seeing you in an actual place that's not your home. And uh, I look forward to getting out in the world soon. Um, Allison, thank you so much for joining me on The Verbally Show. That was absolutely interesting and fascinating. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: That's it for this episode of The Verblio Show. Thanks for tuning in. This is Steve Pachras in Denver, Colorado,
1: signing off.